Welcome to Evangelistic Center Church. Uh, every couple of years, I preach this passage, and I looked back, and it had been about two years since I had preached this passage. And, and, uh, but something that we were talking about, I think it was actually on Wednesday night, something uh, that Chris or Larry or somebody that was in uh, the church said something, and, and as I was working on my, my message for this week, and I thought about it, and I kind of found myself back on this passage again. And so I'm going to talk to you about um, the, the story that Jesus tells about the, the man who built his house on rock and the man who built his house on sand. That's going to be the point of this today, so I, I hope that you'll be blessed by this. How many of y'all have seen those commercials for those um, foundation repair people? And I don't know about you, but I can't tell who's good at it and who isn't. You know, because this one says, well, we just do this and this one is, and we're better than them, and I don't know how that all works. But that we show this picture of this house with these cracks in it, and then they jam something down in the ground, and they hit a button, and all of a sudden the house lifts back up. And, and I can't understand that. I mean, I don't know how you pick up a house. How do you pick up a house? I don't know how, but they do. They pick up a house. And so what they sell to you is that if your house has cracks in it, they can fix it. And how they fix it is they prop up the foundation, right? They drive, and any of y'all that are in construction, if I get this wrong, you just let me go because I, I don't really know exactly. But the way I understand it is they drive steel piers down to bedrock or something really hard way under the ground, and then that allows the house to be set on bedrock rather than just on topsoil, and that fixes the cracks. And so um, they use that pier to lift the house back to where it began, and then there's no more cracks, and then you don't worry about your house falling down, Right? How many of y'all remember vividly the, the earthquake that was in about 2012, 11 or 12, when that was the big one, the 5.9 or whatever it was? Um, it shook so much at our house. It, it, when it first started, you kind of thought, wow, an earthquake. And then after, you know, however long it was, it quit being fun anymore. Do y'all remember that too? Uh, we had stuff falling off the walls and and because uh, we live, oh, I don't know what's eight or ten miles north of here. We live and Rusty's family live in Prague. They were just maybe like a half a mile from the epicenter and it destroyed um, at Rusty's parents' house, it broke granite countertops into cracked the glass on their stove, the top glass, the, it busted that, knocked everything off of walls, turned over china hutches, busted floors. It was uh, every doorway was cracked and bricks falling off. It was really a big deal. Um, and you don't want that kind of house, right? You don't want something that's going to fall down. And so they couldn't live there until they fixed it. They couldn't live there until they got their house back on a stable foundation. And it's essential that we be built on something that is solid because when trouble comes, and we know it does, but when things like earthquakes or tornadoes or just even high winds for that matter, when they come, we don't want to be living in something that's not secure, right? And that's pretty straightforward. I'm not, I'm not giving you any special revelation today, right? Everybody would agree with that. And it's no wonder, really, then, that foundation repair companies have such a lucrative business because people want to be built on something that's solid. And so I was thinking about this passage that Jesus teaches us, and this is at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5, and it ends at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And this is one of the last things that Jesus says during what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And um, this is really what I think the point is, is that if a cracked or a bad foundation is bad for your house, then certainly a shaky spiritual foundation would mean trouble for you as well. Then if you're not built upon in your spirit something that is solid, then that means trouble for you as well. And Jesus says something very specific about our spiritual health that I want to visit with you about today. So I'm going to read Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, if you want to follow along. 
And this is Jesus speaking here, and he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. And I especially like how Jesus says this here. And it collapsed, and it collapsed with a great crash. In other words, it was a sight to behold as the house fell. And Jesus tells us this story. And there were a couple of things that these two men in this story have in common. First, each man was building a house. In verse 24, he says that a wise man built his house on what? On the rock. A wise man built his house on the rock. And then verse 26 says that a foolish man built his house on the sand. So they're both building houses, the difference being what they build their house upon. Now then, the next thing they have in common is that both men heard Jesus tell the same story. Verse 24, everyone who hears these words and acts on them. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words and doesn't act on them. So both men were building a house. Both men had heard Jesus' words. And then the third thing that they had in common, and I think you would see that we all have a couple of these at least in common. The third thing they had in common is that both men encountered trouble. Encountered trouble. Both men faced a storm, right? Anybody ever had any storms in your life? Both men encountered a storm. In verse 25, it says rain fell, rivers rose, winds blew and pounded the house. That was the house built on the rock. Verse 27, rain fell, rivers rose, winds blew and pounded that house. He built on the sand. Two men with same experiences in life. Two men with same opportunities, but the outcomes of the story were far different between the two. For one, the storm came, and, and when the trials showed up, the house withstood. The, the, all the daggers and the darts and the pain and the struggles that came for one man, his house stood and it kept him safe. For the other, the same storm and difficulties and pain and trials came, but yet the house fell. And, and the Bible says it's interesting that it was great, and great was the fall of it, or great was the, the collapse of it. The wise built on something solid, and the foolish on something shaky. And you and I know full well that Jesus isn't really talking about our houses. He's not really talking about our literal homes, but what he's speaking about are two men who lived their lives very differently. It's a story of two kinds of people. It's a story of people who hear Jesus' words and act on them, and the story of people who hear Jesus' words yet choose to ignore them. And it's really easy to tell them apart. Now here's how you can tell the difference between somebody who hears Christ's words and obeys and somebody that hears his words and doesn't. Now this is very profound. Don't miss this. This is, this is so profound. Here's how you can tell the difference between somebody who obeys Christ and somebody who doesn't. When the storm comes, one person stands while the other falls. When trouble comes, one person, one family, one group of people, they stand. Now, now keep in mind, they're still in the same storm. The storm still comes. 
they still struggle with depression and anxiety and fears and all the things I mentioned to you before. They, they still experience those, but they stand through it and they make it through and their home, their spiritual life does not collapse because they have built upon Christ's words. Does that make sense? The other group of people go through the same exact things in their life, but the outcome is far different because they have not based their life upon what Christ said. And then when the trial comes, then great is their fall. And see, I have, uh, I have told you numerous times, and some of you, I'm not telling the story, but I've mentioned to a bunch of people that when Rusty and I found ourselves in the midst of our, what I hope was the big trial of our life, I can remember the place I stood in my yard where I was on the verge of collapse spiritually. I had gone as far as I could go, and I was angry at God, and I told him I was mad, and I don't understand all of this. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever felt that way? I've gone as far as I can go, and I don't know how to take one more step, and something's got to give, right? Y'all with me so far? This is, I'm not trying to not be serious, but I think this really fits here. Uh, there was a, a comedian way back. If you're under 40, y'all aren't going to know who I'm talking about here. There was a man named Jerry Clower. All right, so just real quick, by a show of hands, everybody stick your hand up if you know who Jerry Clower is. Now, I'll keep them up. Now, all you young people look around the room and notice that everybody has gray hair that has their hand up. <laughs> Even Joe, he's kind of, Joe's young like me, right, Joe? We, we know I'm also going to tell you, don't look him up on YouTube, kids, because you will not think he's funny. But he had this story. He had this story, and he was hunting raccoons. And they got this raccoon up in the tree, and Jerry climbed the tree because he was going to get the raccoon out. Well, when he got up there, the raccoon was wearing him out. And Jerry yelled down at his friends, and he told them, just shoot up here amongst us because one of us needs relief. And the reason that's funny to me is because at that point, he didn't even care if he got shot. Him or the raccoon one needed a break from the fight, right? I, I was there. I, I've been there. When, I, when we went through that, that's sort of how I was. I, I, I sincerely, I was like, Lord, just let me die. I just need some relief. Everybody, you ever been there? I, I'm, I, I'm just kind of going to chuckle at my oldest daughter because here about six or eight weeks ago, she got a kidney stone. And their whole life, I'd been telling them, when somebody says, is your pain one out of 10, don't say 10 when you have a sore throat. That ain't 10. And she got that kidney stone. She called me. She said, Dad, I today understand 10. Now, exactly. And she told me, she said, Dad, if the Lord would have put a string down out of heaven and said, pull this, and it's all over, and you die, I'd have pulled that string. I know since I've been there. Kidney stones are the devil. Hell might not actually be fire and brimstone. It might be kidney stones. I don't know, but it's bad. No, we know that's a joke. The difference between these two people is one was built upon Christ and stood in the trial and the other wasn't. There are those that will listen to what Jesus says and they will act on what they've heard and then there are are others that hear the same story and ignore them. And it's easy to tell them apart because one, the family stands and for the other, they fall. And, And see, and it doesn't matter ultimately what you think about me as a preacher. I mean, I have heard it all when it comes to how I preach. I had a person tell me, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this just for clarity, just for transparency. I had a person tell me, your sermons are black. That's how they said it. And boring. I think they told me I was boring too. Okay, they're black and I'm boring. I get it. 
But if I speak Jesus and I speak the word, your responsibility is not to obey me, but is to obey the word. Amen? Don't live your life like me. You live your life like Jesus. I don't, don't give glory to me. I don't deserve it. I've done nothing. I am a beggar at the table like everybody else. The difference in the people here is not that, well, some of them preach and some of them this and some of them amen, no, and some of them don't. That's not what it is at all. What Jesus is saying is, you listen to me and you heed my words and you do what I tell you and then when the trouble comes, you won't fall. You might stumble, they might knock you down, but you'll get back up. You might be afraid, you might fear, you might have to go to the doctor. You might have to go a lot. But guess what? You keep living the word and you'll stand through it. Amen? You'll stand through it, it'll keep happening. Tony Evans, I love Tony Evans, he says this about these two men and their wisdom. He said this, wisdom is the ability and the willingness to apply spiritual truth to life's circumstances. Did you hear that? Wisdom is the ability and the willingness to apply spiritual truth to life circumstances. In contrast, foolishness is the inability and unwillingness to apply spiritual truth to life's realities. So when trouble comes, the difference between these two men, and Jesus calls one wise and one foolish, the difference between wisdom and foolishness is what you do with the word. The difference between wisdom and foolishness is wisdom says when the trouble comes, when difficulty comes, when joys come, when life comes, that we still keep Christ as the main thing. That we intend and desire and we effort to keep Christ the main thing in his word. And no matter what happens around us, the whole world can fall around you. But you keep your eyes on Jesus. And what will happen is one day, I say this this way all the time, one day you'll look back and say, I didn't realize how far we'd come. You ever done that? Never realized how far we've come. Now specifically Jesus says, uh, you can find this in verse 24, specifically Jesus says, everyone who hears these words and acts on them. You see that word, acts? He says, if you act on them, then you'll be like a wise man. In the Greek, the word for acts is called, and I I can't, I'm waiting for the disco lights, that's cool. Uh, The Greek word for acts is poieo, and it it means this. Here's what the word acts means. I make, I manufacture, construct, I do. I make, I manufacture, construct, or to do. So here's really what Jesus is saying. Everyone that hears his words and manufactures their life on his word. Do you see that? I'll say it this way. Everyone who hears my words and builds their life up on my word, you then are wise and you'll withstand any storm. Do you see that? If you build on his word. If you're building a new home, would you have confidence in somebody who ignored the foundation? Would you want to move into a house that they just poured your floor with no footing under it? How many of y'all would love to do that? How about they just start nailing stuff together and they don't even care about what's under it? And you could put a really nice bathroom in there, but would you move in? No, because it would fall, right? We know it would only be a matter of time until it falls. You would resist that. And, and we should accept no less from our spiritual foundation. 
See, my fear about church and about Christianity, my fear is, especially when I preach sermons like this, and I know I, know I do this quite often, but my fear is, is that we take this kind of instruction and we file it away in just another message of a bunch of do's and don'ts and Noah's getting in our business and, and the church just sucks the fun out of everything and all he ever does is tell us we've got to be nice and, and, and we file it away. And that's my fear when I preach these. Because the Christian life is not ever meant to be a life of pain and misery and sorrow and woe and depression and a whole list of, well, i got to get this right and that and not that. It, it's not that. The Christian life is this, that we hear Christ's words, that we make them our rule. We make them our guide. We make them uh, our, the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. See, what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, children, get this. Do what I say, and when you do, your life will be good, and you will stand, and you will survive, and you will have joy, and you will experience freedom, and everything that you want out of life, everything you need to be fulfilled in life, you will have if you keep the main thing, which is Jesus, the main thing, right? Y'all are, you're unsure, you're not sure if I'm telling you the truth. This is the only way I know how to say it. I can't imagine life without him. Because, and don't miss this in the story, because whether you're a Christian or you're not, you're going to go through the same things. How many of you know that tornadoes blow down Christians' houses as well as non-Christians? You ever seen that? You ever notice that? You ever seen when a church van wrecks somewhere and, and kids in the youth group pass away from a car wreck? Have you all ever seen that? I have. You ever seen in hurricanes that churches get blown down the same way that the bar does? Is that because the people in that church didn't have faith? No. It's because Jesus says that when you are to be alive means that the storm's coming. The reason I preach to you this way is not because I'm trying to browbeat you. It's this. I want you to have the kind of life that Jesus wants for you. And I believe that he's put me in this pulpit to tell you what kind of life he wants for you. And here's the lesson today. And don't leave here and miss this. You build your life on him and his word. And you do it. And you do it every day. And then when the trouble comes, it will not knock you off your feet. Maybe I should say it this, you might get knocked off your feet, but you won't stay down. The devil might even be over you, and he might be counting seven, eight, nine. But I can promise you, when you build on Jesus, you'll get up every time. You'll get up, Don, you will. You'll get up. I want to read verse 21. I'm going to go back a few. I didn't read this earlier. I'm going to read verse 21 out of Matthew 7. He says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Does that, does that scare anybody? It should. Not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Wait a minute, but I call him Lord. I'm just reading it to you. Y'all, you can preach to me. You tell me what this means. Not everybody that says, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only the one who does what? The will of my Father in heaven. In other words, you do what Dad says, and then you're good. I mean, that's the Oki translation. I'm not going to write a Bible translation, but it would sound like that if I did. 
Just because you call him Lord don't mean he's Lord. How he's Lord is when you do what he says. And, and, and I got news for you. When you begin to live the scripture in life, I can promise you that you're going to say, oh my goodness, I don't know where all this joy came from. I mean, I don't have any more money in my pocket than I had yesterday, but I feel a lot better about it. I still got that doctor's appointment next week, but you know what? I just have a piece, Don. I just have a piece, and I'm not sure why. I don't know what's going on, but, but I got a piece because I know that his word says that he will not leave me, nor will he forsake me. So I'm just going to walk in that. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's a little scary. I mean, I could stand up here and give you a lot of reasons today why you could be afraid. I can tell you how to find out. Turn on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, um, Newsday or whatever it is, Newsy. Um, I've watched this ch- news show called Cheddar. I wouldn't recommend it. You can turn on that and find all kind of reason to be afraid. But here's what Jesus said. It's all going to come. Now you choose. You remember, in the old, you remember in the Old Testament when he says, I've placed before you today blessing and curse, life and death. And then he says what? Therefore, choose life. Why? That you might live. And Jesus just expands on that, and he just says, you do the will of my Father. You listen to what the Word is. The Word does here in Matthew 7, 21 is the same word, Greek word for Acts in verse 24. In other words, it's not enough to just say Lord or to call Jesus Lord because lip service will not garner you favor. Lip service will not grant you heaven. The only ones that go to heaven are those who have built their life upon the foundation whose name is Jesus. That's it. The world doesn't need a bunch more people saying, Lord, Lord. This world needs people who have built upon the rock. And that's what you got to decide. Today, you have to decide, am I going to do what the Word says or am I not? I'm always amazed at people who who want to fritter around with Christianity and, and, and they want to kind of live with one arm in the one arm in the world and one arm in, in God and in Christ. And, and I don't see that you can do that in the Word. I want to read you one more thing. I want, I want to read you a couple of things, and I'm going I'm to wrap this up here in a minute because we're going to have a baptismal service. So I'll ask this question. How do we know that we are acting on the Word? What can you and I do? Let me give you some practical advice, practical info here. What can we do to ensure that we're building our lives on a stable foundation? What can we do? And that's a fair question, right? I mean, what can we do to make sure that I'm doing what Jesus asked me to do? Because the difference between standing and falling, wisdom or foolishness, the difference is acting on or acting on God's word or ignoring God. The difference between the two is what we do with the word. That's clear. The word is everything. So what am I supposed to do to ensure that I am constructing my life on the word? That I'm acting on what the Bible says. And uh, David Jeremiah, which he's one of, he may be my favorite preacher. Highly recommend listening to him. Uh, David Jeremiah, he lays it out, and I like the way he did. I'm going to tell you how he says we can do it. Number one, he says that you and I should listen carefully enough to his words that we hear them. Now, that may seem obvious, but let me say it like this. Now, I don't want any men answering this question. 
Ladies, everybody except Rusty. Rusty cannot answer this question. How many of you have tried to talk to your husband when football is on? Okay, how about this? How many of you have tried to talk to your husband when races are on? Or Rusty's dad liked to watch the dog show. If the dog show, whatever floats your boat. I used to watch dog jumping. I highly recommend it. You ever try to talk to your husband when football's on? Is it only Samantha? She's the only one that ever tried to do that? Anybody in here? Mother? Hannah, you disc golf, you tried to. Sarah Raiders, you get it? Yeah. Sarah actually has that look of, finally, Lord, you're preaching it to Chris about this, finally. (laughs) See, in that moment, I can hear what Rusty says. I can hear it. I mean, I know she's saying something, but I got no idea what she said. Somebody say amen. I got no idea what she said. I used to tell my kids, I used to say, I would tell them something, and I would say, now say it back. And the reason I would do that is I would tell them something, then in five minutes they didn't do it, and they say, you didn't tell me. So I would say, I want you to go in your room, and I want you to clean your room. Not stick it under the bed. I want you to clean your room and put the dirty clothes in, make your bed, and I would give them a list. And I would say, say it back to me. And I'd, they say it back, and Lindsay would say, uh, you said to be nice to sissy. No, that's a good one, but I didn't say that. See, how do we know that we've listened carefully enough to his words that we can hear them? It's when we, under, it's when we, we hear and we consider and we hide that word in our heart. When we are focused in what the Holy Spirit would teach us, now we're listening. Right? This is far more serious than a stupid football game. Amen? Listen carefully enough that you hear them. I want to give you a short uh, illustration. I used this the last time I preached it. Some of y'all have heard it before, but I cannot find a better one. In the Washington, D.C. metro system, which is Washington, D.C.'s version of the subway, um, in 2007, uh, a man with a violin played six Bach, that's B-A-C-H, six Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. And during that time, approximately 2,000 people walked by him Most of them on their way to work. It was in the morning. And after three minutes of him playing, a middle-aged man noticed there was somebody playing. He slowed down, stopped for a couple of seconds, and he hurried on to meet his schedule. That was at three minutes. At four minutes, the violinist got his first dollar. It took him four minutes. He made a dollar. A woman threw money in the hat, and without stopping, she continued to walk. He got a dollar. In six minutes, a young man leaned against the wall to hear the violinist, then looked at his watch, started to walk again. At 10 minutes, a three-year-old boy stopped, but his mother tugged him along hurriedly. The kid stopped to look at the violinist again, but the mother pushed hard as the child continued to walk, turning his head all the time. And this action was repeated by several other children, and every parent, without exception, forced their children to move quickly. At 45 minutes, the musician played continuously, and only six people stopped and listened for a short while. About 20 gave money but continued to walk at their normal pace. And the man, the whole time that he played, he collected a total of $32. $32. That's important to the story. At one hour, he finished playing and silence took over. No one noticed. No one applauded. Nor was there any recognition. No one knew this, but the violinist's name was Joshua Bell. And Joshua Bell is one of the greatest musicians in the world. And he played one of the most intricate pieces ever written. 
and he played it on a three and a half million dollar Stradivarius violin in the Washington subway. Two days before he played in the subway, he sold out the opera house, the theater in Boston, where the average seat was $100. So he made tens of thousands of dollars two days before playing, yet he was playing in the subway for free and no one noticed. And this is a true story. Joshua Bell played incognito in the Washington Metro Station, and it was organized by the Washington Post newspaper as part of a social experiment about perception, taste, and, and, and priorities. Most of those people that walked past Joshua, they heard him playing, but they didn't really hear him at all. They heard it, but they couldn't hear it. And they missed an opportunity to be up close and personal with one of the greatest musicians on the planet. And see, when Christ says to act on these words, what he's saying is, listen to what I have to say. You have opportunity today, church, to hear his word. And not because I'm saying it, but because it is before you. It is today before your eyes, his word. And Christ is telling you, listen to my words and build your life upon everything that I've commanded you to do. And you can arrive at the end of your life, or you can arrive at the end of time, you can arrive at the rapture, you can arrive at whatever future event that, that, that happens in your life first. You can arrive there, and you can either be pronounced faithful and have an, have an eternity in heaven, or you can be like one of those people who said, Lord, Lord, but he, didn't, you, he never knew you. And the difference between the two is what you do with the word, because when the word transforms you, it causes you to live different than, than you can without the word. Amen? Just real quick, the second thing you and I can do, so firstly, we can listen carefully enough to the word that we hear it. Second, that we work to understand that word to the best of our ability. Knowing the word takes more than listening to the preacher on Sunday. So go home sometime this week, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7 and read it and read it again until you have it in your spirit. That's a challenge. And then the third thing that you can do is faithfully act on what you've come to understand. We're going to baptize three children here in a minute, and God would not expect them, nor would I, to understand the same thing about Christ that you do. Or a new believer, as a seasoned believer. But we have a responsibility to know the word. Listen to his word. Work to understand those words and act upon the word. Because church, I want to tell you something. Everybody's building. Today, you're building your house today. You're building. Everybody's building. You don't get to be exempt from building. You're building. You're building on something. You're building on a word. You're building on Christ or you're building on self. And sometimes we even build on things that at surface they don't seem to be harmful. We may build on family. We may build on friendship. We may, we may build on hard work. We may build on uh, any number of things that in themselves they're not bad. But when we build upon anything the world has to offer, we have built upon the wrong thing. And when the storm comes, you'll fall. Listen to the word that you hear it. Understand them to the best of your ability and act on the word that you've come to understand. Amen?